invite you to think uh, with me this morning for a few moments about uh, the reality of Christmas. I want to suggest to you uh, that, you know, Christmas was intended by God uh, for him to come close to us. That's what the original Christmas was all about, for God to come close to us in the person of Jesus. His name was Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, that's what this Christmas is also all about, God's desire to get closer uh, to each and every one of us in Christmas 2017. And um, I want to also suggest to you that the natural reaction to God coming close to us uh, is fear. Uh, We saw last week that when God came close to the shepherds, there was nothing but fear. And God said, fear not. Remember? And uh, when God came close to Mary to announce to her that he had chosen her, um, she was afraid, the Bible says. And again, the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Uh, When God revealed to Joseph his role as being the father, the earthly father of Jesus, he was sore afraid, the scriptures say. And again, the angel has to say, fear not. Zechariah, the father of uh, John the Baptist, same thing. Fear not, fear not, all the way through. It seems like when God chooses to come close to us that the natural reaction is fear. And so I want to suggest to you that perhaps uh, the same thing is true today for uh, us as well. That when the idea of God actually coming close and getting into our space and getting actually into our hearts, when that idea grips us, because that's what Christmas is, that we too perhaps um, have a response of fear or of being afraid. Uh, Which is why I think um, Christmas has become about everything under the sun except for Jesus, right? It's about Santa Claus, and it's about food, and it's about gatherings, and it's about gifts, and it's about uh, Frosty the Snowman. Anything you can think of, we can throw in there. Why? Why do we do that? To the best news, the best thing that ever happened uh, to the planet is that God actually chose to come close and to become one of us. Because the natural reaction, I think, is fear. And that whole thing uh, can be tragic. If fear is our response to Christmas, um, we miss out on what I would suggest are the four best gifts that God has for people. Uh, Four powerful, positive, life-changing gifts. Gifts that don't break. Gifts that don't need batteries. Gifts that never go out of style. And so to be afraid and to fear... Christmas and the reality of Christmas uh, can cost us a great deal, afraid of God coming uh, close and personal. I want to suggest that a motto for Christmas might be less fear, more faith. Less fear, more faith. That would be a simple motto for us this Christmas. So first of all, God wants to come close to us so that we can experience, experience his love experience the love of God. God loves you, and he loves me. Uh, The God who exists loves. The God who exists loves. Now, I get it. If all you have to go on is your own experiences and your own little life, if all you have to go on is your own interpretation of what's going on in the world, then I understand why uh, you might say, you know, I'm not so sure that God really loves me. You know, I lost my job. I got sick. I needed surgery. I ended up being divorced. I lost my loved ones. 
Uh, my kid turned out to be a prodigal. Uh, I'm not feeling the love. If all we have to go on is our own little life, and that's the basis on which we're going to judge whether or not God loves us, I get it. Some of us might say, I'm just not feeling the love. But there's more to consider, way more to consider, than just our own little lives. We're talking about God. We're talking about the God who created the universe. We're talking about the God who exists and who puts his breath in our lungs, the God who loves us. And God sent Jesus at Christmas to get close enough to us to convince us that there is a God in heaven who actually loves each and every one of us. Uh, John 3.16 is perhaps the most familiar passage in the entire Bible. And um, when you uh, think about John chapter 3.16 in relationship to Christmas, uh, you begin to understand that this most popular uh, passage reveals to us the motive behind or the reason behind Christmas. For God so loved the world, every one of us, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us and Jesus came to convince us of that. And so if we're afraid and we keep him at an arm's length, we never experience on a personal level the love that God actually has for each and every one of us. The whole reason behind Christmas is the love of God. And uh, God loves us to the point of becoming like us so that we could get to know him, so that we could be close, so that we could actually know and experience the love of God through the person of Jesus Christ. We can learn a lot about God through creation, right? We can learn an awful lot about God through creation, how creative and how ingenious and how huge he is. But when it comes to experiencing his love, he comes himself. He comes as a person to get close to us as persons, not just to tell us, but to show us. He becomes a human being, Emmanuel, God, with us. Uh, when you really want to let somebody know you love them, you don't send somebody else to tell them. You go yourself. And that's what Christmas is all about, God coming to us close enough to, get, uh, to convince us that he actually loves us. You know, love is the, um, the essence, really, of God's whole uh, character. In um, 1 John, uh, you, you're probably familiar with this, but in 1 John chapter 4 and uh, verses 8 and 9, uh, we read these words. Anybody who does not love does not know God because God is love. God isn't just like he loves once in a while or God isn't just like somebody who has the capacity to love. His essence, his nature, God is in fact love. The God who exists loves Right? And, uh, and then he goes on, uh, John says, and um, in this, uh, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God sent Jesus into the world so that we might live, so that we might have a kind of life through him that doesn't exist apart from him. God sent him into the world because he loves us so that we could have this thing called everlasting life. Now, most of us, when we think about everlasting life, we think, oh, yeah, that's what starts after we die. No, it's what starts now. 
when we allow the Lord to actually love us, we begin to live an entirely different kind of life because of his love. Um, he, if you, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but have you ever considered the fact that God made you to love you? That if he didn't want to love you, he wouldn't have made you. God so loved the world. You're here because God wants to love you. And Christmas is the time when God chose to come close enough to us to convince us that he actually loves us. Uh, His love is unconditional. That is, it's based on him and his character and not us and our conduct. God's love is because that's his nature. That's what he does. That's who he is. The God who exists loves. And his love is unconditional. Um, In... um, Ephesians, uh, the Apostle Paul prays for Christians, and, and this is how he prays for Christians in, a, in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 and verse 14. He says, uh, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to have the strength to comprehend with all the other saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, whose essence is love. That you would be able to know the capacity of God's love so that you could be filled with this different kind of life marked by the reality of being able to love because God has first loved us. How huge would it be for somebody to totally miss out on being loved because they fear letting God come close? How many people judge God on the basis of what they think instead of allowing God in Jesus to come close and explain what God thinks. How many of us just stop short of allowing God to come close enough to change the way we think and instead just have our own way of thinking because of our life experiences about the love of God. Someone has said this, fear is this. Fear is false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. It's like fake news, right? It'd be like fake news. That's what we'd call it today. Fear is false evidence that appears real. And so we're afraid oftentimes to allow God to come close to us because we've got this fake news, our own interpretation about what's happened in our life. And if God really loved me, he would have done it differently and so on and so forth. Instead of allowing God to come in the person of Christ and reveal the mind of God, into our minds so that we might think like he thinks. I think God's love realizes that we need help in the face of losing jobs and losing our health and losing our our loved ones and even losing our own life. What if God could get close enough to convince us that he actually has something to give us out of his life that's stronger than everything that's wrong in our life? Something called everlasting life. And what if every time we came up against one of those reality experiences in our life, we were able to bring to the table this everlasting life, which comes to us through Christ coming close and actually taking up 
residence within us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have what? Everlasting life. John 10.10, 10, you remember Jesus said? He said, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. God has an enemy and he's out to steal your faith. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy everything God made, right? Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly because God loves you and wants you to have this everlasting life. And uh, way back in the uh, end of the Bible in 1 John uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, <clears throat> um, Jesus is actually called uh, everlasting life or eternal life. Uh, let me read this verse. It says, the life was made manifest that we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has now been manifest, made known, appeared to us. Jesus is the life of God. How tragic would it be if fear would keep him at an arm's length and not allow him to deposit into our life this everlasting life that he came to give. Uh, you know, God's love gives. Um, uh, gives us something that's stronger than all the setbacks in life. And that love actually has the power to change us and to change our reaction to everything that happens in life. What does it really mean to love anyway? You know, we use this word quite a bit, love. What does it really mean to love? I think there's two things that are involved with loving. First of all, it means to give. God so loved that he what? Gave the best he had, heaven's best. That's what it means to love. God so loved that he gave. It means to give and to serve. That's what it means. Sometimes in uh, <clears throat> marriage counseling and so forth, you know, I say, well, do you love this person? And I say, oh, yeah, I love this person. Well, tell me, what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, she makes me feel really good when she's around. No, no, no. That's what she does for you. What about you? Do you love her? Of course I love her. Well, why? Oh, she cooks a great meal. No, you don't get it. Love is about you giving to her. That's love, right? You serving that person. And God so loved that he gave. And what he gave was Jesus. And how tragic if we were to fear uh, what he gave us um, and miss out on the gifts that God intends to give us. God gave the best that he had because he loves you. And uh, you know that when Jesus came into the world, he got rejected. He suffered physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Uh, but God gave his son to die. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So don't miss out on this. You know, God so loved the world, and you are a part of that world. God so loved you that Christmas happened. And there are many reasons uh, and many, uh, you know, dimensions to this love. But you are included in Christmas. I know that sometimes as people we feel so small and this is so big that God, the God of the universe, uh, came down at Christmas time to get close to people like you and me. It's hard for sometimes us to believe. And fear convinces us, no, you're not that important. You're not that significant. You know, you're not that famous. You're not that powerful. You're not, you know, why would God really be that concerned about you that he would go uh, to all of that trouble and so forth? This is something really, really big. And I would just tell you, if you're thinking like that, just stop it. Fear not. 
You are included. God so loved the world, and it includes you. Uh, God loves you, and he loves your whole mess. And uh, his love was costly, but it's powerful. It's stronger than death, stronger than low self-esteem, stronger than our mistakes, stronger than our sins and our offenses, stronger than our circumstances, our limitations, our experience, and so forth. But will we allow him to get close enough to offset all the things that happen to us over the course of our lifetime. And I want to say this. Loved people are very different than unloved people. Do you agree with that? Loved people are very different than unloved people. Now, I'm sure you know some people who are loved greatly, and you know some people who maybe are unloved and have nobody or whatever. Loved people are very different. And God came to love us so that we could experience, experience the love of God at the deepest core of our being because it changes us. It makes us more like him. And we're supposed to be different from the people around us. And so I want to show you some statements in the Bible. There's a few statements in here uh, that actually just talk about why Jesus came at Christmas. We could start with like Mark 10, 45. Mark 10, 45 says this. For even the Son of Man came at Christmas time, okay, not to be served, but to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. You know why some people fear allowing Jesus to come too close? Because they think he came to get them to serve him. Instead of understanding, no, he came here to serve you. Especially us men. We don't need anybody serving us. We can take care of ourselves. And so I'm afraid to let this Jesus come real close to me and start messing with my space, you know. Um, Jesus doesn't need anything from us. Some people, I think, are afraid to let Jesus come close simply because uh, they think he came to be served. And we need to learn how to allow Jesus to serve us. That's why he came. And that's what makes Christianity different from every other religion. Every other God is looking for people to serve him. Our God came and said, no, I don't need anything from you. I'm so full of love and life that I'm coming to serve you. I'm going to glorify myself and show myself off as somebody entirely different than you think by coming and becoming your servant. And Jesus came not to be served but to serve. And God glorifies himself by serving us. He comes to us and seeks us not to get our service, but to be our servant. Uh, we are not his helper. He is our helper. But how often we get this mixed up. Now, he does call us to serve. If we back up to verse 44, uh, the verse right before this, it says, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. God asks us to serve, but not him. He asks us to serve other people. He asks us to serve people like he does. Like he serves us, he asks us then to serve the next person and to take what he gives us and give it to the next person. He doesn't, he came, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and uh, to serve um, each other and to serve outsiders. Um, John 3, uh, 17, uh, the verse after John 3, 16 John 3, 17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. It's not why Jesus came, to go around and point out everything that's wrong, right? But what? 
Not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God wants us to serve other people so that they can know that they're not condemned. Don't have to be afraid of letting God come close. He comes to be your servant. He doesn't come to put more demands on us. Somebody said, you know, uh, when people messed up, Jesus rubbed their mess ups out, not rubbed them in. He rubbed them out. He rubbed sins out. He didn't rub them in. And how often is there this temptation among the Christian community to point out, you know, almost like we're condemning the world rather than trying to save the world. Um, He serves, his serving changes us. Um, And by the way, the last part of Mark uh, chapter uh, 10, verse 45, for even the son of man uh, came not to uh, be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. For many, to give his life as a ransom uh, for many. Now, a ransom is what you pay to get somebody out of jail, right? A ransom is what you pay when somebody kidnaps you and they demand a ransom. Jesus came to pay the ransom because we were kidnapped by the enemy. Our first parents fell for the uh, you know, lies of the enemy. And when the enemy came and said to our first parents, hey, look, You don't have to listen to God. You can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong. You can be your own God. That's really basically the essence of sin is just saying, I don't really need you. I'll be my own God. I'll decide what's right and wrong for me. And that's what the Bible calls sin. And uh, we just leave God out and ignore him. Well, Jesus came to pay a ransom so that our slate could be wiped clean so that we could get out of jail free card, you know, and so that... uh, the one who kidnapped us would not have any power over us uh, any longer. Uh, the reason we have all these heartbreaking problems in our life is really because we've been kidnapped and we've been uh, led to rebel against God and we sold ourselves into sin and alienation and alienated ourselves from him. But Jesus came to pay the ransom to free us so that we could be right with God if we wanted it because he loves us. And so he came into the world to die. Uh, There are several places, you know, that talk about this. Uh, Galatians, in Galatians chapter 4 and uh, verse 4 and 5, it's put like this. Uh, When the fullness of time had come, right, Christmas, God sent forth his son, Christmas, born of a woman, Christmas, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's part of being ransomed or redeemed or bought back. God loved us. We've been kidnapped. As a result, we're uh, rebellious against him. And uh, God comes because he loves us, pays this ransom, sent Jesus uh, to be that sacrifice for us, and so on. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, same basic idea. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So many people are afraid of dying because they don't know what's on the other side because they haven't allowed Jesus to come close enough to tell them what's coming on the other side and to, uh, to ransom their lives and to give them that, uh, you know, uh, get out of jail free card. Here's another uh, verse that I think is uh, significant if you ask the question, well, why did Jesus come? Uh, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5. 
You know that he appeared, Jesus appeared, he came at Christmas time. You know that he appeared, okay, uh, to take away sin. To take away sins. Why did Jesus come? He came to take away our sins, plain and clear. I mean, it's pretty, if God loves us, and if sin is the one thing that keeps us separated from him, then the most loving thing God could do is get rid of sin. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. How tragic would it be if our fear kept Jesus at an arm's length and uh, we lived without uh, getting rid of our sin? Um, it's exactly the reason Jesus came to pay for our sin. The great thing is, if you're a believer and if you allow Jesus to come close enough and you believe that that's why he came, uh, you're done with sin. You don't have to ever deal with sin again. There is no such thing as purgatory. Jesus came to get rid of sin. And uh, you don't have to deal with it. That's why he came. First uh, John 3, chapter eight, uh, verse 8 says uh, another reason why Jesus came. Um, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, Christmas happened, was to destroy the works of the devil. What's the reason? Love is the motive. What's the reason that Jesus came? To destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Uh, to do his best to destroy the creation that God created, the people that God loves, and uh, to ruin them, to... Um, you know, to tempt them and to um, uh, move them towards sin and to destroy. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And so, you know, we can make this personal at Christmas time. Um, Christmas happened to take away your sin and to take away mine. And if we allow Christ to come close enough, we're done with sin. You know, we're free from sin. It, it relieves us of the guilt uh, associated with sin. And... Uh, what a great gift this is because God loves you and because he loves me. Galatians 2.20, the apostle Paul gives kind of a personal testimony and he says, you know, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, you know, the old me died and the new me is living with Christ, living in me. And there's this everlasting life, this source of life that comes from his love that is in the process of remaking me, this new uh, creation, you know, that God uh, called me to be. Here's another one of these. Uh, why did um, Jesus come at Christmas time? Uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 8 um, for I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. You know one of the reasons why Christmas happened and one of the great things about love and about God's love for us is that Christmas happened to prove that God is truthful. A long time ago, God made a promise to Abraham and to the Jewish people that he would send a Messiah. And when Jesus came, he gave proof to the fact that God keeps his word. One of the greatest things about love is that it tells the truth. It doesn't lie. It doesn't deceive. When you start lying to somebody and deceiving somebody, that's not love. And here the Bible is telling us that one of the reasons at Christmas time that Jesus came is the very uh, truthfulness and dependability uh, on God. If you let Jesus get 
uh, close enough to you, he will start making promises to you about your future. And you need evidence, you need confidence that he's telling you the truth because you're going to stake your whole life on what he's promising. And so one of the reasons for Christmas is so that he could demonstrate to all of us by sending Christ into the world that his word is true. And even though it took thousands of years, you can trust him. And that's one of the dimensions of love. When somebody says they love you, you ought to be able to trust them. God keeps his promises as part of what love is. It's truthfulness. It's, it's trustworthiness. Uh, when you lie or deceive, again, we're not loving. Um, when we let God get close enough, we discover that um, we have somebody in God uh, who loves us uh, in a way that's um, way beyond what we could even imagine. One of, the, uh, one of the fun passages of scripture that's worth memorizing is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and uh, verse 20. For all the promises of God are yes in Christ. Isn't that cool? That's what that Romans 15 passage is about. Like all the promises that God made are wrapped up in the person of Christ. If you let Christ come close to you, all the promises of God will be yours. How tragic if people were afraid and kept the Lord at an arm's length and celebrated everything under the sun at Christmas time, all good things, family, food, the whole business, but missed out on the main event of God desiring to come close and to get into our hearts. Uh, all the promises of God come together in the person of Christ. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. Uh, when you let God come close, you trust him more. And the motto of less fear, more faith starts to take root in our lives. Less fear, more faith. Less fear, more faith. And God's truthfulness, I would suggest to you, is the one constant in a universe uh, that's full of change. And, um, you know, full of uncertainty. Uh, the one certainty that we have is the uh, truthfulness of God. Another passage of scripture where Jesus says this himself is in uh, John chapter 18 and um, verse 37. I know I'm jumping around in the Bible a lot this morning, but uh, these are all passages related to scripture as to why Jesus came, and they're all different dimensions of love. Uh, John 18, 37, uh, Jesus says this, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth. Isn't that great? Uh, one of the great purposes of, God, of Christmas is to bear witness to the truth. The truth is the one constant that we have in a world that's constantly changing. And Jesus came to bear witness to that truth. God's truth is the non-negotiable absolute in our social life, in our scientific understanding, in our educational life, in our financial life, in our sexual life, in our moral life. There is one standard truth that we can know in every dimension of our lives. And it's one of the reasons Jesus came, is to give testimony to the truth. Here's another one, uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 27 and 28, uh, we read uh, these words. Uh, Jesus said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Remember, this is right before Jesus is going to be crucified. Uh, Father, save me from this hour. Should I say, you know, I don't want to do this, go to the cross, die? Uh, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again, and, and so on. 
One of the main reasons Christmas happened is to show off how great God is. <laughs> right? I mean, God is different than all the other gods that people worship. And one of the things that God intends through Christmas and through coming close to us is to show off his glory. To show off how good he is. Uh, he's better than we think. His love for us is better. It's higher. It's deeper. It's under, wider, stronger, longer than we realize. Um, you remember when the angel announced the arrival of Jesus, it was glory to God in the highest. The reason, one of the reasons behind Christmas, one of the uh, factors of love is the glory of God. Jesus came to make God look good. He came to make God look good, uh, to show that God is committed to loving us no matter what the cost. He's committed to glorifying himself because he knows there is uh, none other better than himself. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, this is a great passage, the first couple of verses of Hebrews. Uh, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Why did Jesus come? Well, to show off how big and how uh, great God's love really is. Uh, God uh, is better than we think. Um, John's gospel, you know, he doesn't have, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about uh, Christmas in in a uh, very practical way. John talks about Christmas in a different way. He says, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. John's got sort of a philosophical uh, approach to Christmas. But in John uh, 1.14, it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know what makes God so glorious? He's full of grace. Full of grace and full of truth. In fact, verse 16 says this, From his fullness we have all received Grace upon grace. I don't know about you, but I I tripped on this verse when I was preparing this sermon. I just sat there for a minute and thought, from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. Now, grace is undeserved favor. So I just started to think about my life and how many different ways I've received from God undeserved favors. (laughs) And I just had a, a ball doing this, like, We've all received grace upon grace. And, and I wanted to say, you know what? If, if you take time and just sit and think about all the different undeserved favors that have come your way from God. And if it's not, you know, grace upon grace, I'd say perhaps we're not letting Christ close enough to us. If you look at that and you think, you know what, I gripe more about what I wish God would do and I'm upset that God didn't get me a job and didn't get me a raise and didn't let my mother live longer and didn't, you know, keep me from having to have open heart surgery and didn't and didn't and didn't and I got all these gripes against God because if I was God, that's how I would treat me. But God is full of grace and full of truth and he loves you his way. And when you allow him to come close, you'll find out it's way better than your way. It's everlasting life. And he's preparing us to live with him for all of eternity. 
You know, one undeserved favor after another. I don't know how many more of these you can take, but Luke chapter 19 is another one. Um, Why did uh, Christmas happen? And uh, this is great. Uh, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came, Christmas happened, to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save. You know why? Because that's what love does. Um, It seeks and it saves. When I first met Barb, okay, I sought after her for a date. I was seeking a way to get a date. I wanted to get to know her, right? I sought her, sought after her. Uh, When I caught up to her, um, I've told you this before, but it was such a a shock to me. It it took the wind out of my sails. Uh, I asked her out, and uh, she said to me, you're the kind of guy my mother warned me about. (laughs) Just like that. And the wind just went right out of my sails. I'm like, your mother never even met me. You know, come on. You know? And she wouldn't go on a first date unless she could take her girlfriend with her. So off the three of us go. And uh, that was kind of a weird date. But um, (laughs) after that first date, I tried to find a way to save her from her mother's misperception of me. That was my job, right? And if you allow God to get close to you and to catch you, and uh, he will then... After that first date and that first encounter, try to save you from your misperceptions about him, the reasons that fear holds him away. Um, And and it's so uh, true that uh, God came to seek us. God didn't say, hey, listen, climb the ladder and maybe you'll find me. Try to be good enough and work your way up the ladder and take these positions and Give this much money and do this and do that and maybe you'll find me at the top of the list. No, God says, I'm coming down the ladder. I'm coming to you. You don't have to go looking for God. You don't have to go looking for God. God's looking for you. Jesus came to seek you and to save you from your misperceptions about his truth and so on. God came looking for us. We don't have to go looking for him. He's coming to us in Jesus and allow him to come closer. He loves you. And you know what? He knows what's coming. He wants to warn you about the judgment that we deserve that's coming and save us from our own misperceptions, the biggest one of which is that I think I'm a good enough person to be accepted by him instead of trusting what Jesus did in my place. God is looking for us. He loves us. Um, Well, I think uh, I'm done. I had another one, but you know what? We're, we're going to be out of time. I, I want to introduce you to somebody that I don't know how well you know uh, John Moran or not, but I asked John Moran if he would come up, and uh, I just want, had a couple of questions that I thought would tease out this sermon in John's life. So, John, come on up here and join me over here if you would. John, uh, I asked John because uh, John is a guy who experienced really the love of God, John, thanks. Have a seat. John experienced the love of God in his own life, and I asked him to talk uh, to us a little bit about that. And then after that, it really changed his life, and I was able to observe that in a couple of relationships that we'll tease out after that. But tell us how the Lord's love got a hold of you. Uh, Am I on? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, early on, 
Oh, you know, I was raised a Catholic. I was raised in a, in a, in a good house. And, uh, you know, mom and pop, I'm a single child. I was adopted. And, uh, you know, my fun, unfortunately, my father had passed away when I was 11 of a coronary. And it was just mom and I, and, you know, she still instilled, uh, you know, the love, the love of the Lord. And, uh, you know, saw to it that I went to church for a few more years. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was off to the races, as I call it, soon after that. And, uh, you know, although I had a conscience uh, of, of the Lord, uh, you know, I was astray. I was a sinner, obviously. And, uh, but I always felt his love, and my mother always always told me, always ensured, you know, about the love that the Lord had for me. And, uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, grieving people, grieving the Lord, you know, I'm sure I grieved my mother. And uh, she still had that unconditional love for me. <coughs> Excuse me. She still had that unconditional love for me and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And then, you know, you know years later, I uh, was able to change my ways. And uh, as a matter of fact, there was a gentleman in this church, Larry Schneider, that, uh, you know, showed me unconditional love, and uh, he brought me to Trinity. And uh, here again, it was love from somebody else that I was able to feel, you know, being, you know, unselfish and, and giving me the attention that I needed and, uh, and things like that, you know, coming up. And, uh, and that was my, you know, recollection of love. And uh, although I was astray and I was, I was running wild, I knew that, that our Heavenly Father always had, uh, had his eye on me and, uh, you know, kept me uh, pretty much out of harm's way. And uh, I always had the conscience uh, of our Heavenly Father and, and the love that he, that he had shown for us. And, uh, you know. So, John, um, it seems to me that uh, after you had this encounter with God, you know, through Larry and, and came back and so forth, that uh, you, from my observation, had an extraordinary love for your mom. Oh, uh, yeah, it was you, great. You set your own life aside, really, to take care of her in her latter years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought it was remarkable the way that you were transformed by God's love to kind of set your own life aside sacrificially on several fronts. Uh, we had discussions along the way in years yeah. past about that. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I found that, uh, you know, to be able to love somebody the way our Heavenly Father loves us, <coughs> excuse me, loves me, that, you know, oftentimes it's painful. Hmm. You mentioned the word sacrificial and, uh, you know, putting others before myself and extending that love that our Heavenly Father extended me. You know, there were times that, you know, I hate to use the word like I was inconvenienced mm -hmm. or uh, put out of my way, but being the fact that, you know, our, my fa Heavenly Father loved me, I was able to in turn, you know, love other people and put that stuff aside. And with the sacrificial stuff, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of times for me it was about giving, giving, uh, you know, the extra step the extra mile the love that you yeah. know I was bestowed upon me and because I loved people didn't necessarily mean I got loved back right you know uh, yeah. it was uh, sometimes it had fallen on you know ears that didn't want to hear or you know unsolicited love or help or what have you but the Holy Spirit convicts me on a daily <coughs> excuse me on a daily basis uh, to do the right thing to try to step forward 
you know, yeah. Peter talks about, you know, giving an answer and going the extra mile. Yeah. And because of the love I was shown and, you know, yeah. stuff like that, I was able to, uh, you know, able to forge on. Yeah. So, you know, I felt like your mother was somebody that um, she allowed you to come close to her and to love her. And she appreciated it and, and valued it. And the more she did that, the more you, you know, loved her. Um, but I also uh, was able to observe a love that you had for another guy in this church uh, who, um, you know, pushed you away and, and wouldn't really receive your love. And, and what was remarkable to me about you and your, your persistence in being shot down and just going back and going back and going back and, and doing your best to be there and to show him the kind of love that I think God shows people who even hold him at a distance He's trying all the time to, you know, come close, but oftentimes resisted. And you have a, a love for that guy that I was able to observe that. Uh, My you, friend Stephen. Yeah. You know, he, God he was, bless him. Yeah. And he would say to me, he said, you know, Johnny's the, the only person that really cares about me. And, wow. uh, and I think you might have been, wow. you know, at that level. Yeah. Now, the, you know, here again, our Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, you know, put Stephen on my heart. And, uh, you know, I come from a similar background, you know, yeah. being around town and not being the great Christian I should have been and, uh, you know, sharing the past. You know, and I was, uh, I had compassion and I had love for Stephen. And, yeah, I did try to help him and I tried to carry the message also to him. And, uh, you know, at times he was... He was participating and more receptive than others, and, uh, you know, and I would try to help him out. And I would see him, uh, you, know, you know, fall to some extent and, and, and be hurt, and I would hurt also, mm. you know. And, uh, you know, just to uh, hear again, to, to love him when he couldn't love himself and to be, try to be available and although it grieved me, you know, I grieved my Heavenly Father also, and he had unconditional love for me, and it was an acceptance. And maybe for a later time, I would be more receptive and, uh, and love like that for, you know, for me, it was shown. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts me, and uh, I love that, you know. And, uh, you know, there are times where I resisted. I let him try to find his own way, and I left him... You know, they call it getting to a lower bottom, if you will. And uh, But here again, the Holy Spirit reconvicted me and said, mm-hmm. listen, you got to go knock on that guy's door. You got to, you know, reach out. Still keep reaching out. Don't ever give up because our Heavenly Father, <coughs> excuse me, doesn't give up on us. Not yeah. ever. Yeah. I have another great friend that came to see me this morning, George Pacey. <coughs> and uh, he always told me for years, you know, it's all about the love, the love. The love our Father has for us, unconditional. And, uh, you know, I, I had spoken to him yesterday, and it was great to hear his voice. And uh, just another, uh, you know, reaffirmation, if you will, about the Lord and the love and how the gentleman in his church and so on and so forth, you and the other associate pastors, had extended the love to me and always made me feel welcome. And when I was in, you know, times, dire straits, if you will, I was able to approach, you know, yourself and the rest of the guys. And uh, here again, they showed me the love that our Heavenly Father would show us. The God who exists loves, and it changes us, and it makes us more like him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you're a loving God, 
And I pray that this Christmas, every person in this room would allow you to come closer so that our love and our lives might be marked more by the kind of love that you have for us and that we could extend it, Father, into the world in which you've placed us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks, John. Appreciate it.